This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I would like to uh, just begin with a very short idea about Chazak in this community. In Yigdal, we say, Gomel Ishchesed Kemifaloi. Gomel Ishchesed Kemifaloi. No saying Lerosha Kirishato. That they give the ish chesed, the person that does chesed, the man, the woman that does chesed, can be followed according to what they accomplished. No sin to the person who's evil, kirishato. Whatever that person did that's evil, that person will also get their, uh, let us say, reward or punishment. The eights of us says a very interesting commentary. What does it mean, can be follow? When you do something, so there are certain things you do one incident and that's it. You do one misa, that was it, in for the evening. There are other things that when you do one little misa, it will continue to yield you interest in payros for a long, long time to come. In helping Chazak, it is a tremendous organization that is Omeid Beruma Shalom. It stands at the height of the world. All they do... When we help Chazak, it's an interesting thing. It's not only for tonight, it's for next week, it's for the kids in public school, it's for the J group, it's for the teens that gather together, it's for the next year where Robbie, the indefatigable leader in Manig, will find a new community that's yet untouched and doesn't have sure, and he'll make them there. It continues to go and grow and grow. So for all that you do, and the community does so much, it is such a wonderful, wonderful community. The fact that you support and give over the chizuk to chazak, it should be kemifalo for everybody. It should continue to accrue zechuyos and brachos and yeshuos and refuos, whatever the community wants, whatever you need. You should have tremendous success just in the source of what you do and especially what you do for Chazak. I want to start this evening about dreams, but nobody get tired. We're going to talk a little bit about the Olamachalomos, right? So we know it says, In a dream I will speak to you. Sometimes the Navi had a message that was given in the dream. Uh, Yaakov Avinu, Yosef HaTzadik had all of the dreams. All of those that dreamed throughout the Tanakh, Hashem gave to them a specific message, an indication, a hurrah, an instruction of something that they were supposed to do, some way that they were supposed to go. Uh, interesting, in the Torah it does say, in the Talmud, Perekshishi in Brochos and the uh, Gemara, it talks about all the meanings of dreams. If a person has such a dream, what is the meaning? I'm called a lot of times. I had this dream. What does it mean? Uh, do I have to be concerned? Chas Is it a good dream? All the different types of dreams, and we always say that it's good. If a person has a dream and they got a little upset about it, should wake up and say, Dream speak falsehood. Say it three times, dream speak falsehood. However, it does say, Shulchan Aruch says that what happens to a person, they had a dream, 
and they got a little upset. We don't know. Talmud says you could have a dream uh, and you could think, oh, it's not such a good dream, but really it's a great dream. Or you could have a dream and you could think, well, it's a really great dream. may not be the greatest dream. The only thing is that whenever a person has a dream, they should be careful not to say it over only to a person that is a chacham, only to a person that is very knowledgeable, someone who they trust implicitly. Because the chalom can go after the person that interprets the dream. If a person gives a good interpretation, it will be good. If chas v'sholem they give a negative interpretation, could turn out that way. That is why everybody was afraid to give the interpretation to Paro, Melech Mitzrayim. He had the dream, remember about the seven and the seven. So everybody was afraid to give him an interpretation. They thought, if he doesn't like the interpretation, he'll kill them. And the truth is, <laughs> a person gives over a bad interpretation, is it your best friend? We always try to interpret it always for good. And there are sometimes that it's a little bit difficult. But... The Michtam Elio says the only dream that you have to worry about is if you're 1,000% truthful. If you're always truthful in everything that you do, then your dreams could come true. If sometimes you say a little Sheker Lavan, a little white lie, if sometimes you're not 1,000% true about something, then a person should not worry about it at all. And this is a, the general idea. I will tell you a dream uh, that I had that wound up to be something that was uh, very, uh, very special. I was uh, one night, it was almost dawn, and I fell into a very deep sleep, but I had a dream. I had a dream, normal. I'm in the car, passenger side, and there's a person that I know, Rebeliezer, he's driving the car. I don't know. I'm watching him, and it seems to be that he's falling asleep. I said, Rebeliezer! And he gets up, and he's driving. But you know, if you're tired, so you keep... So then he's going to sleep another time. And I got very, uh, very upset. I said, Rebeliezer! I said, please... Wake up, wake up, wake up, I'm screaming. All of a sudden, the dream stopped, I woke up. Set the alarm for that, was, that was the entire uh, incident that happened. Nothing else, nothing else. Set the alarm for when? I go, is there something going on in here? I go, and I went the next morning to the Minion. I went the next morning to the Minion, and when I go to the Minion, there was something unbelievable that happened. All of a sudden, Rebeliezer, the man from the dream, ran in. Rav, do I have to bench Gomel? Do I have to say the special bracha from being saved? I was falling asleep at the wheel on the Bell Parkway because I was very tired. And I heard your voice screaming, Eliezer, wake up! Wake up! I woke up, and at the last moment, I was able to avoid hitting a car, and I guided the car into the guardrail in the center. Bachalom, adaverbo. You 
can't tell. Sometimes something could happen in a dream that is chutzmi derechateva. That is outside of teva. It is outside of nature that we can't understand. We'll talk a little bit more about it. What I'd like to zero in on uh, tonight is something phenomenal. A dream that was uh, dreamt by Nebuchadnezzar, the Melech, Babel, the king. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. The interesting idea is that a lot of dreams, so a person wakes up, I had a dream, and you know, I dreamt that you lent me a million dollars. You want to take care of that now? That doesn't have to mean anything. But a dream of a Melech, a dream of a king, could have implications, could have repercussions for the entire country, maybe even for the cloud. So the dream of Nebuchadnezzar is considered to be a very important dream. Also, just two things. If a person is melumed benisim, if you are used to very uh, different miracles happening, Babasali, in the house of the great Rav Abuchatzera, <laughs> miracles happen. It wasn't, uh, wasn't such an odd occurrence. If all of a sudden we'd be over here and a great miracle would happen, you know, something supernatural in the room, I think we may get afraid. We may be a little bit uh, nervous about what's happening. But Melumad Benissim is that we realize that it is possible. A miracle could happen. A miracle that we don't even realize. It is very possible that something could happen we may even be privileged to be able to see it. After all, every day in our davening we say, on the miracles that Hashem does for us every day. Miracles, things that are outside of nature that we don't understand. It's an unbelievable thing. Okay, what happened was the following. Nebuchadnezzar goes to sleep one night and he has a dream. He has a dream and he's not used to anything. He's not used to any supernatural occurrence. He's not used to any kind of a, a message being given over in a dream. And he gets very upset. He is so nervous that he wakes up and he cannot shake it. In the Talmud and also in the Mishnah Brura, it says, what kind of a dream does a person have to try to take care of? They're upset about it. They can't shake it. Usually you wake up, so for the first few minutes you think about it, then the dream like dissipates into thin air and it's gone. But the dream that a person continues to dream, that's a dream. A mother called me up. A mother and a daughter. Both had the same dream. Norava Ayom. What happened? The daughter is engaged. They're making the vort, the engagement party, in Miami, Florida, where the family is from originally and the family of the Chassan. Beautiful. They are to fly that day, that morning, they are to fly to Miami, the Kala and her mother. However, the night before, they have a chalom. The chalom is that something will happen to the plane. Shabu shabayim. The mother, as they say, you know, like the, the heart was in her hands. Now she happy, right? The mother says, Yilamdenu Rabbeinu. We both had the same dream. The fact that the dream is repeated. Shall we go? Or we shouldn't go. 
What should we do? That's a very big shayla. What should happen? Now, there are several ways of dissipating a dream, as we all know. Uh, one, birchas koanim, that a person can say the special insert during birchas koanim, when the koanim bless us. The second way is, the person could fast. Tainus chalom, the next day a person fasts, and that also dissipates the dream. The Talmud says, it's like you take a, a match and you have flax, and you move the match towards the flax, and the flax flees, it runs away. It is repelled from fire. So too, a dream will be dissipated, will become bottled, annulled through fasting. Then there's a third way. The third way is hatovas chalom. Hatovas chalom is when the person comes in, there are three people, the person who's the cholem, the person says, I dreamt a dream, they don't say what it is, and then the three, acting as sort of a basin, will tell them, you saw a good dream, you saw a good dream, you saw only a good dream, and they say all the positive psukim, and the person leaves and everything is okay. So, we opted for the third. Why? Interesting. Both the mother and the daughter are very scared of flying. Since they are afraid of flying, they have a fear. They once took the uh, course, I forgot the name of it, they once took the course to gain confidence to fly. (laughs) It didn't help, but they did take the course. So now, the night before, it was possible that they were both upset and nervous. A person sometimes dreams about what they think about during the day. We made Atavos Chalom. I also gave to them a shliach mitzvah to take down to North Miami, so they would also be shliche mitzvah, and the whole going was for a mitzvah, uh, that they were going for a simcha. They went, and Baruch Hashem, everything turned out well. I, the couple was married, Okay, so there are different ways of dreaming. However, Nebuchadnezzar was very upset because he could not understand it. When a person cannot understand something, it is more scary than something that is like uh, uh, naturally scary, you know, night or whatever. What was it? He dreamt that there was a tree that was very tall. A huge tree. As we all know, a man is a tree of the field. When he sees the tree, it started to go very, very high up towards Shemaim. A huge, huge tree. It was visible to everybody. It had a lot of the leaves and it had a lot of fruits and everything in this big tree. And all of the brios, all the creations came under the tree in order to take shade, in order to have shelter from it. Also the birds came and it was in the branches and it was a beautiful, beautiful tree. All of a sudden, as he's watching this tree that is huge going up to the heavens and all the brios, all the creations are around it, all of a sudden a malach comes down. A malach comes... This is from Sefer Daniel. And the Malach calls out and says, Cut down this tree. Cut it down. All of a sudden, they begin to chop down the tree. They chop down its branches. Ki Adam, 
Eitzah Soda, a person has some connection with the field, not simple, and they began to scatter all the fruit, all the fruit left it, all the foliage came off, the animals all ran away from it, the birds all left from the branches, and the Vuchadnezar is uh, scared, he cannot even move. The Malach said, just leave the roots. Leave the roots inside, and it should be together with those beasts, those chayos, the wild animals of the field. That's who the tree will be together with now. Uh, interesting. Daniel was summoned. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know what it means, and everybody was afraid to tell him. They were all afraid to tell him what the uh, meaning of this was. They bo- Basically, nobody knew. But they called Daniel. And they said, Daniel, tell us, what is it? Nebuchadnezzar wants to know, what does it all mean? Daniel said, it may not be so good. Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm, wi- I'm willing to take it no matter what is the explanation. I'm willing to listen. I want you to tell me. Okay. I want you to know, king, that you were the tree. You were the tall tree. Your kingdom grew. You were a real king, an evil king, a king that was vicious, a king that uh, killed people, a king that was ruthless, a king that destroyed, laid siege to the base of Mikdash, laid siege to the temple, a, a, a king that was beyond our idea of wickedness. However, he was a great king. He was a mighty king. And that king is going to be cut down. That's what he said. You will now have the end of your reign. Why? Because you could not keep Hashem in mind. You thought you were greater than Hashem. Thought he was better. He thought he was higher than Hashem. And therefore, you are now going to be uh, taken down. Not only are you going to be taken down, but... You are going to have people rule over you. You will no longer be the ruler. And as we know, that he's going to have to go into uh, exile. Nebuchadnezzar, the tall and mighty king, the king over the entire world, is now going to be taken down completely. And exactly as he was told, happened to him. He was going to be sent into the fields, he was going to turn into, later we're going to find out, he actually turned into an animal. He turned into a beast of the field. A person, uh, interesting, we say by Mincha, ki uh, a person is a little bit higher than a behema, than an animal. But the commentaries say, Oyen, what is Oyen? No. The ability to say no. A human being makes good decisions. I know what I know, I know what I can't do. I know it's moral, I know it's ethical. I know it's halacha, I know it's anti-halacha. I'll be careful in it. However, the person that does not know how to say no, that's indiscriminate, that will do anything, they live the life of a behemoth achaya. There's a fascinating sefer, Kabbalah, uh, sefer, uh, the mystical sefer, Chochmas HaParzuf. Chochmas HaParzuf means that if you want to know uh, how somebody is, you can't 
uh, Google them at Shabbos or whatever. You don't have to Google them. Believe me, you don't have to use the internet. You do not have to. For Torah anytime, you can use it, but for anything else, you don't have to. Anyhow, so uh, say you want to know what a person is. So there is a safer. You have to be a Mekubal. You have to be a great, great Chacham, Chachama to use it. But it does say that there is a chachma of knowing one's face. There it is interesting, and it says if a person has a similarity to a behema, to one of the creatures, they may possess the midos, the characteristics of that animal in which they resemble. And it's a fascinating idea, and there is... uh, a number of uh, very interesting svarim that talk about a resemblance between people and the behema. Uh, one is never allowed to call someone a behema. One chayyadam is posek la'locha. You can't say you are. You're not allowed to because we are different. We have a tzelam elokim. When a person does not use the image of Hashem, they could lose it. If they disgrace the image of Hashem that they are, the Tselelokim, they could lose it. So he was told, you are done. You're going to be a behemoth. You're going to be a beast. Nebuchadnezzar is no dummy. So he asked, tell me, Yelamdenu Rabbeinu, he says to Daniel, how can I get out of it? Give me redemption. Give me a way to get out. Give me tshuva. Certainly, there's got to be something I can do to get out of it. Tell me what I can do. Daniel says to him, Bitsidka pruk. With righteousness, with charity, with chesed, with kindness, you can get out. What I tell you to do, Nebuchadnezzar, help the poor. You want to get out of it? You want to get free from the punishment? Help the poor. What should you do? Set up a house, hachnosas orchim, to welcome in the strangers, to give people that need food, to give people that need drink, to give people that need shelter, a place to stay. If you will do this, it will be considered your kapara. You will be atoned and you will not have to worry about it. He went Immediately, Nebuchadnezzar wants to get out of this. So what did he do? He immediately set up the house. There were poor people in Klau Yisrael. Poor people, we don't even imagine what poor people are. In our Basman first of all, Bismanenu, we got a lot of chesed organizations that help, that give food and give drink. All the organizations, so many, they're unbelievable, each and every one giving food to the poor, giving food for Shabbos, Tomche Shabbos, and chickens for Shabbos, and uh, must be uh, thousands different places in Eretz Yisrael. It's just an amazing thing. It's amazing. We give. We give with an open hand, with an open heart. So there uh, is very interesting also, Rosh Steinman says, for a refuah, for a person in need of a refuah shalema to heal, to be machnes oroch, to have guests and to bring them in for the poor, uh, to help them or anybody that needs it, it is a very big skula for refuah. 
Rav Steinman said. Anything, or just to give food for people that need to uh, have food, for people that are hungry, for people that need to drink. In the old days, people were very poor. They used to have a place, they have a big sign, you know, you daven in the morning, Malbisha Rumim, they give clothes to those that don't have. They used to come in, and they had a big sign, Malbisha Rumim, and people used to come in, and they would take uh, clothing, they would take a coat, or whatever it was, and they got it. But even Basmanazeh, a very interesting thing, I had a guy, and he said, Rebbe, I would like to donate clothing. Clothing, anybody that needs, I would like to pay. There's a store nearby. I would like to pay the clothing for them. I said, specifically clothing? Yes. Anything else? No, clothing. And he was very direct. He said, I don't care what it costs. I don't care where it is. I want to donate clothing. I said, uh, anything in particular? Like, is it a tikkun? or pikabalaza? He says, no. He was in yeshiva. He was in a very poor house. He had not enough clothing. So they used to have the coat room, the check room, whatever it was, so they would have clothing. People would leave their clothing there. Sometimes they left it there for donations. Sometimes a person would forget. They leave a coat, they leave a hat, and it becomes hefker, becomes ownerless. Anybody can have it. He got his wardrobe because his parents were too poor to give him clothes. He got his wardrobe from the place. One day, he had no socks. He didn't have any socks. And he came to the room that was Hefker, and he thought for sure, usually when he needed something, he would get socks. He looked there, there were no socks at all. He was unfortunately poor, and he had grown a little bit. He is a tall man. And unfortunately, the pants, the cuff, that used to reach down to the shoe, no longer reached to the shoe. It's like they were about a half a foot off from his shoe. That day he had no socks. He came inside to the yeshiva. And they saw that he had no socks. Immediately the administrator said, well, you're coming in without socks in yeshiva. It wasn't like today, it's already a style, but in those days, you needed to have a pair of socks. He said, uh, I, I didn't have it. He says, you forgot to put your socks on? It's lucky you remembered to bring your head. He sent them home. He cried the whole day because he had no socks to bring in. He made a nether that day. Whenever I'm going to be able to make money, I'm going to make sure that there ain't no boy walking around that needs a pair of socks. I took the money. Fascinating. A young woman came. She needed the money. She has to go out. She asked me a shyla. She's starting to go out to get married. She doesn't have a dress to wear. They dress up to go out on a date. She don't have a dress. So I said to her, happens to be, she just asked me a shyla. She didn't come in about the dress. 
I said to her, she said, what's her ishtadlus? Does she have to dress up or could she go? I said, I tell you what, there happens to be a store right now that wants very much to take care of somebody. And they offered for whoever would like to come, they have a special donation for dresses. You can go in there to get a dress to go out. Poor, you see her, poor. She went in. This store used to be in Flatbush. I don't know if it's still there. She went in. I called up the owner, and I told him. I told him I had money, and I told him he could give her. He gave her the dress. He told her she should take two more dresses. I didn't tell him two more. He took care of it. He took her name and number and said, please tell him, a husband and a wife, how things are going. One day, she's getting engaged. She calls him up. He said, I would like to have the schus to buy you your wedding gown. He's a schus, he's a cap. There are people that need, and he did, and he did. What a, a wonderful Masach So, Nebuchadnezzar was told, all you have to do, no problem, just keep that house of Hachnosos Archim going, keep the food and the drink, you can well afford it, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, you got the money, you got the bank account, give it to them. As long as you do, you will be safe. Nebuchadnezzar opens it up. However, 12 months later, 12 months later, he gets a little tired. He sees this Hachnosos Archim going, it's costing money, people are eating, people are drinking, his calculator is going off in his brain how much money he's spending. He decides, Ad Khan, <laughs> I'm not doing this no more. I'm, co- I'm closing the business down. I will not continue it anymore. So he stopped. And there was a baskel that came from Shemayim. The baskel started to yell and to say to him, Nebuchadnezzar, what are you doing? We depended on you. We ate from you. We drank from you. We slept. We were able to have shelter. And now you're closing it down? How are you talking? How are you doing that to people? Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen. He closed it down. The moment he closed it down, he became again a behemoth. And it was a number of years that he had suffered eating the grass of the field, bending over like an animal, eating the grass of the field. His best friends were the animals in the field. Nebuchadnezzar, and now he is reduced to the lowest. After seven years, it took him seven years to learn his lesson. Seven years is a long time. I tell you, Rabbi Sai, seven years is a long time. But sometimes people don't learn their lesson after 20 years. Sometimes people don't learn their lesson after 30 years, after 40 years. Ma'asashaya, an individual that could have known better and did something for a long time in his life. I don't want to say. A person that knew better, he married somebody who is forbidden to him. Married someone who is forbidden to him. 
why a person can never judge another individual. But there is a certain level that a person has to be careful. Stayed married for a long time. The day came that this man was given a very big wake-up call. A wake-up call that nobody in this world should get. And he began to contemplate. Look what he did. Look what he lived his life. Look, he made the wrong decision. And look what he has to, look what he has to show for himself. In that moment, he decided that he's going to try to do tshuva. I will tell you, very few people could do what he did. He ended the marriage that was prohibited. And the day he ended the marriage, the woman went off, show you how much she loved him, took all of his money. She had all the money, took it off. The big thing was, why I think that it was Hashkocha, was he didn't have charot after it. He had no regret. When he saw that she took his money after being married for all that time, then he thought to himself, what was I fooling myself all along? But a person could be fooled a long time that what they're doing is right. We have to be very honest. Mesilas Yesharim says Zihirus. Always be careful and pay attention to the things in our own life that we should pay attention to. Always be careful. No, i got to check it. Am I doing the right thing? Am I eating the correct foods? Is the good? On Shabbos, is this 100% okay? Or maybe 98% okay? The way that I'm dealing, when I return something, and I used it, a guy told me, he, he bought a suit, right? So it was a good suit, a, good, a coat rather. So he had a uh, chasen they had to go to. So he wore the coat, it was cold. And it was his new coat. After he brought it home, he wore it. And next day he decided, you know, I could take it back. I don't really need the coat. I could get a different one. I said, my dear friend, uh, you wore it? He asked me a shayla. You wore the coat? Yeah. It was warm? Yes. It's a nice coat? Yes. I said, it's yours. <laughs> Not so simple. Heter, no, I did this. I still save the tags. The tags are on there. Uh, I could do it. They'll never know the difference. Uh, you know, no, 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 no. A person has to constantly make sure that what they're doing is the correct thing. Finally, Nebuchadnezzar, which there is hope for everybody. If there's hope for such a rasha like Nebuchadnezzar, then there's hope for me. There's hope for everybody. We always take a look at it. The Jewish people, Mika Amcho, who are like B'nai Yisrael. Uh, Yid, I don't know if I could do tshuva. I think I did the worst thing. I'm not sure that Hashem would take me back. All the Yid was so modest. Look at the worst of the worst. Paro Melech Mitzrayim became the king in Nineveh, marched out from Yamsuf and went to Nineveh, became a king. Elozer ben Dardoi did every Aveir in the book. How, who could be worse? He did tshuva. They called him Reb Elozer ben Dardoi. They called him Rabbi. Not only did tshuva, they called him Rabbi. Look through history of those that did tshuva. That were... Yeroven ben Nevot, 
Hashem said, Yeravam, let's go. Ani v'ata ben Ishai. We're going to travel together. We're going to walk together in Ganeda. Walk with Hashem. That's pretty good. Walking together with Hashem. So he asks, Mi uh, Who's going to be in the head? <laughs> Hashem had to tell him, Ben Ishai. Oh, no, no thanks, Hashem. I appreciate your opportunity. I really, don't get me wrong. I'm really thankful, but <laughs> I'm not going to do it. How many turned Hashem down? Hashem said, I'll give you a path to tshuva. I'll give you a path that nobody has. Hashem said, even for Russia, even for evil person, there is an uh, unbelievable incident that happened. Unbelievable. Where a guy was going to be thrown out of the Klosenberger yeshiva. Klosenberger yeshiva. He did something wrong. Klosenberger Rebbe, came to the office. He saw the guy walking there, Bocher, came to the office. He says to the Manal, to the principal, how can you throw out the Bocher? He said, Rebbe, the Bocher did something wrong. It was really wrong. So I said, the Klosenberg Rebbe said, but still he deserves a chance. Do you know how many chances I gave him? Do you know how many times he promised and went back on his promise? Klosenberger Rebbe started yelling. He says, so then you're telling me that there is no hope for the Klosenberger Rebbe. That's what you're telling me. There is no hope for me. He says, what do you mean? Do you know how many times I promised Hashem and I went back on it and I didn't come through? So you're telling me that I'm finished, right? But I says, Rebbe, never would say it. He says, taking the bocher. He took in the bocher. I told the story over at a Hatzalah, meeting of the Hatzalah dinner. A guy comes over to me afterwards, an older man, and he says, uh, I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you, but I'm proud to tell you, I was the bocher that they threw out, that the Klosenberger Rebbe went to bat for me. It turned out pretty good. Individuals should know that there is always, always hope. We see from this uh, a, a very interesting idea that for anybody, there is hope. Even Nebuchadnezzar, who was restored, he was restored to the kingdom. The reason is, is because from that day on, he accepted Hashem as king. <clears throat> Not only did he accept Hashem as king, but he never referred to himself from that day on as Melech never would refer to himself as king anymore because of humility, knowing that Hashem was greater. Even somebody like Nebuchadnezzar was able to reach a level of tshuva. A very interesting thing. He realized, the Malbim says, that everything that is in the world is hashkocha. Hashkocha lefi hadin mishpat. Everything happens according to law. Everything happens according to divine providence. What is major for us to understand is one idea, and that is with chesed, a person can literally turn their life into great, great simcha, can bring mazel, can bring bracha into their life. Everybody wants to know, what's the skula? What do I do? Do chesed. Do chesed, any kind of chesed. 
Rambam lists the different things that a person can do to help on another yid. Anybody can help on another yid. You're out over here in the streets, in Main Street, you see somebody need help, they're carrying packages, you help them out. You see somebody looking down on the road, you say hello to them, you greet them with shalom. Ein gedolomizu, there is nothing greater than that. There was uh, an incident that happened, and I'm afraid we're uh, quickly uh, running out of time. There was, uh, in one of the cities in Europe, before the Shoah, there was a couple, a wonderful couple, the Marcus couple, husband and wife. They lived according to Torah and Mitzvahs. They had children. Big nachas, big simcha. Everything was going good. All of a sudden... The Nazis rose to power. And when that happened, the family was thrown out of their home. Their belongings were stolen. Not only were their belongings stolen, the husband was deported to a concentration camp. The wife and the children were taken to a different camp. Shomu Shomayim. After years of Yisurim no Rahim, years of great pain and affliction. The war ended. The husband and wife, Nes Nifla, found each other in a displaced camp. They couldn't believe it. In a DP camp, the husband found the wife. The wife didn't look like she used to. The husband didn't look like he used to. But they knew each other. The Shamas know each other. They reunited. However, one sad thing, the children didn't survive. They were bitter, they were down, they were beaten, they were broken. They decided they're going to continue on, and they went and moved to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Avos. There, they got a little dira in Yerushalayim, a little apartment, and they lived there. They knew nobody. They never had children. They just had one friend. There was one woman, a woman very religious by the name of Schultz. This woman took care of them, befriended them, very from, would visit the couple, would help them, would give them cake would bake for them a challah. The couple no longer did anything in mitzvahs and in Torah. They had abandoned Torah. They couldn't take what happened to them over the war. They lived a life completely free of any religion. Mrs. Schultz, though, took care of them. They held her to be like a sister, like a relative. She always had an encouraging word. She was a listening ear. They felt that at least... Somebody was there in the world. One day, Mr. Marcus, the husband, got sick. The early tests showed local kachpashut. It was not so simple. He was ill. They sent him to Hadassah Hospital in Ein Karim. I had the great zechus to visit Eretz Yisrael five weeks ago, and they went to visit a patient in Ein Karim. Hadassah Hospital. It was a trip from Yerushalayim to go. They sent the driver. It was a trip. In those days, 
It was a very, very big trip. It was a half a day's journey. So he went, and unfortunately, his condition went down very quickly. Now, the bitter truth was that he was terminally ill. Lo aleinu v'alkobes Yisrael. A new chapter. They went through the Yisurim. They went through the Holocaust. They went through the beatings. They went through the torture. They lost their children. They reunited. A new chapter of Yisurim. A new chapter of bitter pain. Every day in the morning, Mrs. Marcus would take the long journey to go to be by her husband's bedside. And that's what she would do every day. At night, the one thing that she still had in her day, the one thing that she was able to do, was still to go to visit Mrs. Schultz. Mrs. Schultz had ready for her a hot tea, fresh cake, and they would talk every, every night, every night. One day, Mrs. Marcus goes to visit her husband. And when she went, he was already out of the room. It wasn't. The hospital staff, where's my husband? Where'd he go? We needed to give up the room, so he's like in a holding place. What do you mean a holding place? He lost consciousness. And the doctors, well, better you speak to the doctors. I, I don't want to say anything. They waited for the doctors. The doctor said, listen, he's terminally ill. He's not conscious. It could take a day or two. It could take a week or two. But ultimately, the truth is, he's going to be free from his pain. He's not going to live. When she returned that night, when she went to visit Mrs. Schultz, she couldn't stop crying. Her eyes already swollen from the tears. What did she say? Mrs. Schultz said, what what, what happened? She began to cry. I got no strength for this anymore. I cannot watch my husband going through such pain. If you want to help me, she said, then pray that he should die quickly. That all that he has to go through will quickly end. We are maminim, bene maminim. We are believers, the children of believers. Mrs. Schultz heard this. She said, Don't speak like that, my dear friend. Hashem will help. Hashem will certainly help. You never be miyayish. You can never, ever give up. As Chizkiyo said, we learned it from our avos. Even the sharp sword is resting on the neck of a person. Never give up. Never, ever give up. And in that moment, while she was still talking with Mrs. Marcus, her son came to visit her grown son. Avram, Avram, come, come quickly. Avram came. Avram, he himself is not simple. He himself is a rav 
very well respected. She said, Avram, my son, I'm asking you a favor. I want you should go to the Baal Rebbe, the Bial Rebbe Shlita. He lives on Rechov Yosef. I want you to go and mention the name of the husband of Mrs. Marcus. Mention the name for Refuah Shalema, that he should be healed. The Biala Rebbe, not simple, not simple. The son said, I don't got shaykhs to Hasidim. I'm not in that way. I'm Litai. I'm a Litvak. <laughs> going to Hasidim, going to Rebbe. It's his mama. He got to listen. So he went. When he went to the Biala Rebbe, who was known as the Chalkas Yoshua, the Chalkas Yoshua took a look at the Kvittel. You write out on the paper, on the petek. He read it. Immediately, he asked a question without knowing anything, without knowing who he is, without knowing who the ill person is, the Cholot, nothing. He said, I would like to ask you a question. Since this Yid has been sick, has anybody gone to visit him? Did anyone do Bikor Cholim? Embarrassed, Rabbi Avram said, to the best of my knowledge, he has no relatives, he has no friends, nobody visited. In those days, it was a long way from Yerushalayim. A lot of people didn't travel. If so, said the Biala Rabbi, if that is so, I ask you to go tomorrow to Hadassah Hospital, Ein Kerem. Go in the morning. You go and visit the sick. Lemaisa, I myself want to go. However, because of my current matzah, my situation, I can't go. But I want to go. I appoint you as my personal shliach. You go in my place. Go there. And when you go there, say, L'shem Yichud. Say, I'm going for the mitzvah, Abikor Cholim. When you go there, you immediately, while you're going into the room, you be mispalel. And when you go and see him, you are ready to do the mitzvah Bikur Cholim. You go over to him and you tell him that you are my shliach. And Bezer Hashem Yisparach, the Biala Rebbe wishes him a refuah shlema. Rabbi Avram was confused. He says to the Rebbe, Bikur Cholim, there's not who to be mevaker. There's nobody to visit. He doesn't hear. He's not conscious. And he tells him another thing. The Chalkas Yeshua, the Biala Rebbe said, <laughs> Ah, very interesting. Hamatzav Shalachola, you're telling me about the condition of somebody. lo That has nothing to do with us. You have no idea what his matzav is. Lanu, to us, is only the mitzvah of Bikor Cholim. We have to do ours. We have to fulfill it. Go and do it. Bikor Matzav Shehu, no matter which matzav he is in. Rabbi Avram tried to tell the Biala Rebbe that it was a difficult journey and he's going to have to take off time from learning. The Chalkas Yeshua was not forgiving. He was not Mavater. He said, you go tomorrow and be Mekayim the Mitzvah exactly like I told you. Rabbi Avram left the Rebbe. He left the Biala Rebbe. Next day he goes. 
little bit before noon, he comes in. He sees Mr. Marcus lying there. He was shocked to see his face. He was very ill. He had to get himself back together. He was so upset. He said exactly what Bialar Rebbe said, L'Shem Yichud. In the name of Hashem, I am coming to visit the ill, to get the, the mitzvah. He went to him, he leaned over, he said, I am a shaliach of the Biala Rebbe, the Chalkas Yoshua, and I wish you a refuah shalema. Mrs. Marcus, who was in the corner, he didn't realize, watching it, someone to visit, after all this time, her husband says Omein. Maybe the first Omein that she said in decades. Rabbi Avram left. Nobody knows exactly what went on. Nobody to this day. He regained consciousness. He opened his eyes. He began to improve. The vitals came to life. To the amazement of his doctors, after a number of weeks, the man who they already prepared to go to I don't want to say where, now was going to walk out from the hospital, from the base refua, with his own two feet, unassisted by anybody else. From that day, he was Zoha to Chai Shonen. Eighteen more years of life. There's a little bit more to the incident, I'll tell you. The Marcus is understood. Sinais Nifla is a miracle beyond. They realize what happened. Not only was it a refua for the goof, but it was a refua for the neshama. For the soul. They started to keep all the mitzvahs. They started to keep Shabbos, Kashras, Bimakayim, every mitzvah. It was unbelievable. They lived the rest of their days as Yireim Ushlemim, people who follow the letter and the spirit of the Torah. The mitzvah Bikr Cholim is something that the Talmud tells us could restore life. Could be Mechaya, even a person that is ready, that they're preparing. Be'ez HaShem Yisparach. We should take all the mitzvahs that we can. We should continue in our own way to go Melchesed to everybody. We should all be with benched with great bracha and hatzlocha and ruchnius and gashmius Everybody should have everything they need. We should celebrate many, many simchas. And we should hear already the great simcha of the Pame Mishiach Tzidkenu Bimheru Vilmenu. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.